This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we build professional development systems to help engineers and their firms grow. You can now download our recently published AE Industry Trends Report, which contains answers to the following questions. How long will the great resignation last? Are firms still allowing remote work and how is it affecting their productivity? How are successful firms using data to create people-centric cultures? You can find answers to these questions and more in our latest report, which you can download at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Welcome to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. In this episode, I will be talking with Caroline Hahn, Head of Gas Network Strategy and Planning at National Grid, about seeing different job opportunities in your career, developing your soft skills, STEM education, and women in engineering. I'm Anthony Fasano, your host for today's episode. I'm a licensed professional engineer who practiced as an engineer, but eventually decided I wanted to focus more on inspiring engineers rather than doing the engineering myself. So since then, I've written a book entitled Engineer Your Own Success and have traveled the world helping engineers become better managers and leaders. And this conversation with Caroline was pretty cool in that she's had kind of a varied career. She's seen different things. She's done different things. And she also talks in the Take Action Today segment at the end of the show on how you can actually build soft skills, which I find fascinating because everyone tells you, you got to become a better communicator as an engineer. You got to develop your soft skills, but no one actually tells you how. So I thought her advice in the Take Action Today segment at the end was pretty awesome. So let's jump right into the interview for today. All right. Well, now I'd like to welcome on our guest for today's show. Caroline Hahn is the head of gas network strategy and planning at National Grid. Caroline, welcome to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Thank you. Welcome. Glad to be here. We're happy to have you. Excited to jump into our topic for today. Before we do that, though, Caroline, maybe in your own words, you could tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, kind of your career journey to date and, and what you're doing now on a day-to-day basis for National Grid. My name is Caroline Hahn, and I do lead our network strategy and planning work at in National Grid's New England gas business. For those of you who don't know, National Grid is an energy company in the U.S. and in the U.K., but in the U.S. where I'm focused, we're delivering electricity and natural gas to around 7 million customer accounts. It's like 20 million people across New York and New England. My role at National Grid, what I do is I'm responsible for our asset management, engineering, and work planning for our gas network, is specifically in Massachusetts, to National Grid's about a million customers overall. I kind of think of my own journey as a whole. I am a chemical engineer by training, and my interest in STEM started really early. My dad was a chemist, and I'd go to work with him on Saturday mornings, and he'd like take me through different things. You know, I just absolutely loved seeing what was going around, poking around in his lab in in the mornings. And that took me through into high school and then into college where I graduated in chemical engineering from MIT. Kim reached this crossroads of not knowing what I really wanted to do coming out of that. Through that, I ended up joining a consulting firm, a consulting firm called Accenture. And at that consulting firm, we had a number of different projects I could work on. I got a chance to really see what's the landscape. And in that, I did different kinds of things in the work. I coded, I did worked on process design, and worked in different development of software. That eventually took me into doing, learning the softer business skills of organizational design and 
process optimization, where I eventually joined National Grid and then started to take on leadership roles in different organizations running different things. Some of it was in our electric operations organization, then moved into finance, and now I've settled in into our gas business, where I'm back leading an engineering and asset management team and love every day of it. We're really excited in the energy industry of what we're able to do, and we think about climate change and the role that we have to play, especially when I think about what natural gas can do and how we're transitioning to clean fuels. It's really, really exciting, and I'm so energized to be back doing this. Something I want to highlight there from what Caroline said that I think is really important. A lot of engineering professionals, when they do graduate and they come out of school, they're not quite sure what direction to go in. I mean, regardless whether you're chemical, electrical, mechanical, civil, whatever type of engineering you practice, there's lots of different disciplines within these different subsections of engineering. And so the question is, is, you know, how do you figure out what direction you wanted to go? Caroline had a good strategy of going to work at a consulting firm, kind of seeing how things work, getting kind of a look at different things and making a decision. Other things that I've seen people do that have been beneficial is to find a company that has kind of a rotational program. So you can try in the beginning of your career, six months in different departments to get a feel for the different components of the company or different areas of the company. I think it's a good thing for both the individual and the company because number one, as a company, I think you want people working on what they like. And if you give them the opportunity to figure out what they like, they're going to be more productive. They're going to be happy. They're going to be more engaged. And from the individual side, I think it's just good generally to have a working knowledge of the different services that your company offers. I know for me as a civil engineer, when I worked for a civil engineering consulting firm, we were multidisciplinary. And by learning about the different disciplines, I was able to kind of give more value to my clients because I could say, hey, we could help you in surveying, we could help you in environmental. And I knew what that was kind of gave me a, I guess you could say I was more well-rounded. So I do think that early on in your career, it's important to try to become well-rounded or learn about different industries or different disciplines. And if you're a leader in an engineering firm, it's kind of up to you and the leadership to make sure that you provide those opportunities for younger engineering professionals to learn about the different components of one's career, different career options. So I think that's something that's really important from what Caroline said there in her introduction. But what we want to focus on today also is STEM. STEM is really important, doing STEM work, STEM education. We do a lot of corporate training with a lot of engineering organizations across the country. And one of the biggest challenges I think every company is facing today is I can't find enough engineers to hire. We have 100 job openings and we just can't fill them. And I think one of the challenges with that is there's just not enough engineers today because they're not learning about engineering young enough in their lives and their careers. Caroline gave a great story of how she got to go to the lab with her father That's great, but not everyone gets to do that. So how do we reach out to people that don't? So STEM education and STEM jobs, Caroline, can take a lot of forms and they can offer a lot of flexibility to kind of learn and grow across different fields and industries, kind of like you've done so far in your career. Talk about STEM education, maybe some of the stuff that you've been involved with in that realm and and, why it's important. I think that STEM education absolutely starts with sparking interest. And you start early and letting people understand you don't want to get to the point where someone is in high school, for instance, and they already think that they're bad at math and there's no applicability for that. It starts early on in sparking interest in practical applications because you see it in the world every single day. So I see this and the work that we are doing as a company is coming into the early classrooms and just talking about what we do, but in a way that people can see and touch and feel. 
and solving problems that you can, it's just all hands-on because that's a great way to learn and build that interest. That it's not about looking at numbers on a page necessarily, that it really can be something different. When I was young, it was very much low technology. You're building things with blocks. Now, virtually, the possibilities are endless. I have two um, young daughters, they're six and eight. And I think about what they do when they play Minecraft. They've got their little coding robot and they don't view this as something that is schoolwork or something that would be hard or something that's technical. They view it as playing with their toys. And I think that when you start to view this as fun, because it is fun, then it starts to build and cultivate that confidence that when you really get down to it, you've got in mind what the world has to offer as it relates to it. But you do have to start early and it's not something that you just come up with later it's a passion, it's a drive, and it's a calling, just like many professions are overall. I think also it's thinking about in every application of life. So once you start to see it, you start to get a little bit of confirmation bias, but you see science in everything that we do in your day-to-day. It's That's some of the, what we have to do to train people because the world is changing. And the career that my dad had is very different from the career that I thought I was going to have when I was 18 compared to what I thought when I was 22, even 10 years ago. And I think that as the world changes, we have to be flexible, but underlying all of that's that passion and the skills that we learn to solve problems. A couple of points that I'll make just to follow up on that, because I think this is really important stuff here, is if you're thinking about why you should get involved with STEM or what you might get out of it, a couple of stories I could share with you quickly for myself. My mom was a, a math teacher. She's retired now. One time she asked me to come into her class and talk about engineering. And so my background's in civil engineering. So what I did was I just created a simple activity, which was basically like a piece of paper. And I kind of drew like a parking lot on a piece of paper. And I said, you know, here's a square that's a building. Here's a cars. Here's a couple of things. We're going to kind of lay out this site. You're an engineer. You got to put the building in the right place. You got to put the parking spots in the right place. The rainwater's got to go somewhere when it rains. And they loved it. I mean, they were asking questions. They were getting a kick out of it. And when I finished that day and when I left, I was kind of thinking to myself, like, what if one or two of these kids becomes a civil engineer because I took an hour out of my day and went to the school? That's kind of what you can get out of that, a way for you to give back to the community and a way to hope that engineering thrives for a long time. And another story I can share, it's not engineering specific, but I think it's kind of along the same lines of what we're talking about here is I have a daughter who's 10 years old. She's young and we're not sure what she wants to do, but we know she's into like fashion and things like that. And so we ran across a camp here in town that was called like Diva Design Fashion Camp or something for fourth through eighth graders. And we signed her up for it and she absolutely loved it. I mean, she started drawing outfits, they picked fabric, they sewed an outfit. I'm sure that's going to have an impact on her long term in terms of her career and what she likes. And so my point that I'm getting at here is you need to educate people at a young age about what the different career opportunities for them. And as engineers, what we can do is educate them, obviously, about engineering. And we can get in there and show them what a real-life engineer does. And I think the more we do that, the more successful our industry will be as a whole. And we're going to feel rewarded and be able to give back to the community. So I think it's really important. So let's dive in a little bit deeper in terms of STEM and take it one step further in terms of women in engineering. My wife is an engineer. I know that when we went to school together, she was one of a few women that were in the engineering class. It's gotten a little bit better, but certainly there's still a lot more men in engineering than women. So talk a little bit about the idea of us trying to get more women involved in engineering and why and how can we kind of inspire women to pursue a career in engineering? 
I was looking at the data and I think when you look at across, maybe even to my own organization, I've got a community, the society around us is 51% women, but my own engineering workforce is about 20. We think about drop-off and that's actually quite typical. In some cases, actually pretty good, which is really sad kind of statements around this compared to overall benchmarks. And when I was really looking at it, I was thinking, and I've gotten this data from the Society of Women Engineers, and SWE is a great way and a great resource to get people, women involved in the network for engineers, but there's not a lot of interest. We've talked about that. There was a survey of 15-year-old people, men, women, and seeing whether they were interested in careers in engineering. The young men, um, about 20% of them were interested in careers in engineering, but only 6% of the young women were interested. And so you can look at that age 15. So more than three times the level of interest in males and females. But then the universities are doing a decent job of converting this interest into degrees. We're actually seeing that the engineering degrees that are earned by women, while they're not at 50-50, they are much higher than that 6%. So you kind of convert that 6% into about a 30% of women being you know, graduating with their degrees in science and engineering at, from engineering schools. At the same time, you go back to the careers themselves and actually in the workforce, there's still only back to 15% of those engineering jobs. And you've got to think, my own graduating class at MIT was 50% women in engineering. That was a while ago. So we've worked through a lot of decades of engineering talent. So something is happening with women in the workforce where you're between education and the overall career, where we're starting to drop off either right at the point when you graduate and who's entering the workforce or even a little bit further down. So when I think about careers in engineering, I think that we need to kind of come back to what's the value proposition around, it's a great career in engineering, like stay, stick with it, because there is so much to learn. And I think we need to just get out there and talk more about what that means overall to make sure that people actually stay in engineering as a whole, both men and women. You talked about the workforce and trying to hire And we're trying to hire 100 engineers this year. Same kind of thing. It's like, how do you do it? It's not like you can just turn on a spigot. We actually have to get out there and generate the interest and help people understand what is it that we can do and give opportunities, as you mentioned, to just really, really rotate and see and learn and continue to grow so that we can start to build engineers of the future. A lot of our listeners on the podcast here are practicing engineers already. However, I'm sure that many of them have the opportunity to talk with women, mentor women, young girls about engineering. What do you see as some of the pathways or career pathways for women in engineering that they might be able to explain to give guidance on for those that are considering it? The career pathways for women and men are very similar. I think that one of the things that does come up a lot is as an issue often for young women, especially when they're trying to make the jump between levels in engineering, is often balancing family as people talk about that and saying, okay, well, maybe I'd like to take a different, a little bit of a slower pathway while my children are young. Or frankly, I'm seeing more and more men do that too. And I think from a policy perspective, that's what companies actually need to do is make sure that we have parental leave and the right policies in place for regardless of gender overall. And I think that starts to make it more equal. We still see a lot of women taking the traditional role and trying to slow down in the workforce and then re-entering becomes challenging. 
So one of the things that we can do is start to talk about what does flexible work mean for everybody? What does it mean if you want to kind of cut back on hours and go part-time and do job sharing, take on different project work? Because I think that those are some of the things that you can do to actually make sure that you're still having a very fulfilling career, but it, you get the flexibility that you need overall without having to go gung-ho all the time. You can take it at the path that you want. Also, there are opportunities when we think of a career that it's a long-term, it's a long game. It's not a sprint from here to here to here. And that learning and building yourself and being well, well-rounded is really important. In some cases, I'll see engineers who come in into a traditional engineering role and you're doing design, and they might take a role that's more of an assurance type of role where they might be doing different audits or quality or safety or just learning other parts of the business, getting a broader view, but not necessarily doing, I'm in the middle of construction on this project. (laughs) I'm trying to solve this particular, the pace can be different. And I think that aligning the pace to your needs is something that is really important in a career because you're working for 40, 50 years. That's a long time. It definitely is something that we can take and grow with. Caroline, you're obviously a successful woman in engineering. What are some of the challenges that you faced in your career as a woman? And how did you overcome those challenges, if you wouldn't mind sharing? It may may be helpful for some of those out there. I think of it in terms of bias, honestly. And I'll start first with external bias, that I'm coming in and being sometimes the only woman in the room. And many times there was a question of like, who really has the expertise in the room? getting overtaken and the voice overtaken, spoken over, or, you know, the common one is I would say something and then somebody else, people would nod. And then five minutes later, somebody would repeat basically what I had just said. And then everyone would be like, oh, that's a fantastic idea. Let's move it forward. And that was just became commonplace. So I think one of those challenges was learning to speak up, learning to be heard, And then learning to eventually, as I grew more senior in the organizations, call people out on it and say, hey, did you know you just did that? Because that was something that I learned from my own responsibility was like, I need to do that so that this doesn't happen to other young women as well. That was one that really became a challenge of external bias. When you're in an environment where there's that much external bias, what comes with that is internal bias as well. That well, maybe I don't need to be heard all the time, or maybe my idea wasn't quite as good. And that starts to erode at your confidence. And I think that that's something that I see a lot with young women, actually not just young women, women everywhere, is that sense of like imposter syndrome when they do succeed, as well as second guessing themselves all the time, making sure that everything has to be 100% perfect. And you'll spend all of this time making sure that you're saying exactly the perfect thing so that you can have that confidence to say it. And the time moment has passed. I think that, you know, for me, overcoming that challenge was a lot about sitting down and saying, I can do this. I know it, looking at examples of this and actually having mentors and sponsors along the way to help give me that confidence well and break that bias as a whole. What you just said at the end there is so important because I'm sure that there are going to be a lot more women in engineering that are going to deal with the same bias that you just explained. But if there's someone in their company like yourself as a mentor, as a leader that they can come to to help them through that or warn them of that, or 
be vocal like you were to avoid them having to experience it in the same way, I think is all very beneficial. And that's why I think part of what we wanted to talk to Caroline about today, because if you're a woman out there as an engineer by you, and I know it's not easy to do, I'm sure, but by being vocal, by trying to stand up in those situations, you're going to make it easier for some of the other women that are coming through your company, coming through the industry. Finding a mentor in your career is important for every engineering professional, men and women, especially for a woman who might have to deal with some of the bias that Caroline's talking about here. Having that mentor to support you can make it a little bit easier to deal with it or can you know help you to navigate it a little bit better. And Caroline mentioned the Society of Women Engineers, SWE. You could check out their website, swe.org. They're a great organization. I've done some speaking for them. And that's a great way to find other women in the industry that you can connect with. You know, you could probably join a local chapter and get plugged into a community, which I always think is a huge benefit in one's career. What we've kind of learned here from Caroline is that you do have to stand up for yourself and it's not always easy to do, but if you do it, over time, you'll get more and more comfortable doing it. And also you will be able to pave the way and make it a little bit easier maybe for some of those coming next. And I think that that's important. So Caroline, as we start to wrap up here, getting back to your career a little bit and your progression and journey as an engineer, what would you say were some of the key skills that really helped you to grow throughout your career that you might say to engineers out there, you should put some effort into these skill sets? They're the typical ones that we're trained to do that are around problem solving and analytical thinking. You break your task down into its component parts and view everything like that. And I think that's a skill that always serves everyone well. But maybe we don't always pay as much attention to the softer skills, active listening, and making sure that we really are taking everything in. But following that active listening is one that I found to be very powerful is around reflection. So taking what I've heard and then taking that time afterwards to say, okay, what did I really learn from this? How can I use it? How does this fit with the other pieces of the picture that I'm forming in my head? And making that listening concrete, because otherwise it's just hearing. Another was around grit, right? And, and just having and resilience, powering through, because there are always going to be challenges. And the pace that we want to move is not always the pace that things are going to move at. And so powering through and keeping that goal in mind of what it is and why we're doing it and that sense of purpose is really important and a skill that, that keeps you going. And then finally, just effective communications and having empathy for the people that we're speaking with. Because I, I think that the soft skills are things that are harder to build, much harder, at least for me. And I have to work on them every day, but have served me very well in my career. I mean, those are some really important skill sets that Caroline walked through there. I do really like the idea of listening, understanding a situation. As engineers, we're often faced with problems. The only way to solve a problem is to really take in all the information and then kind of come up with the best plan. That is really important and often like an underrated component of what we do as engineers. I mean, everyone thinks like, hey, engineers are going to solve all the problems. Well, we hope to solve the problems, but the only way for us to solve it is to find out the information that we need to go and solve the problem. So that's definitely important. All right, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back with Caroline and we're going to wrap up with our Take Action Today segment. So we'll be right back. We're back with our guest for today, Caroline Hahn, Head of Gas Network Strategy and Planning at National Grid. Caroline has talked a lot about different career strategies, thoughts, advice, 
for STEM education, women in engineering, just general career advancement. And Caroline, in this Take Action Today segment, we like to do just that. We like to help our listeners take action on everything that we talked about today. So if you think about a couple of things that you said, maybe that you really want to leave them with, a couple of actions that they can take to develop their career, how would you like to send them off from here? We did speak quite a bit around softer skills and the importance of those. And I found that those aren't things that you always just learn in a book with different techniques. It takes somebody who's going to coach you and tell you, you like, did that work? Did that not? And give you that type of feedback along the way. And I found that that's actually one of the best ways of doing that is finding a mentor. Seeking out a mentor to help do that is really an action that someone can take. And I would say you don't necessarily have to look for a mentor. One of the mistakes that I see is that people look for a mentor who's exactly like them. You've got in your mind this perfect mentor. And when you don't see that person there, like, well, I can't find one. Seek out someone who is good at what you want to be good at and ask them about how they face their challenges and what they did. So in that case, it opens and broadens the horizons. And sometimes you might even ask somebody who might be bad at it to be your mentor and try to understand what they did so you don't necessarily repeat those mistakes as well. I always tell engineers that if you want to get to a certain place in your career, find someone who's there and ask them how they got there. Because really what that can do is save you quite a bit of time. I mean, quite frankly, I mean, they've already gone through it. And if they're willing to share some of their challenges, their pitfalls, their wins with you, it may be able to accelerate your growth. So hopefully you could take action on that advice and really, you know, kind of ramp up some of those skills that are important. They're called soft skills. They are hard to learn, but they are critical kind of in your growth. So Caroline Han, National Grid, thank you so much for taking some time with us here on the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Caroline. I thought she covered some really important points. And that last point about finding a mentor to help you develop your soft skills, I think is a game changer in one's career. Because honestly, where do you turn if you want to become a better communicator, but you don't know how? Well, you ask people that are good communicators. You ask people that can speak effectively, how they develop the skills, what courses can they take? Can they give you some tips or inside information from all the stuff that they did that they went through? And that's a valuable point. I hope that you could take that and run with it. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, and or questions on the episode. You can find all episodes of the podcast at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Look for the Engineering Career Coach podcast, and there you will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. Don't forget to check out some of our upcoming training programs. In fact, we have training programs on soft skills for engineering professionals, which you can find at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your engineering career endeavors. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff, but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.